Welcome to Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwynn. Celebrate food and life by learning about the culinary scene around the world. Speaking with chefs, artists and food makers, farmers, authors and tastemakers who are passionate about everything delicious. A very good Sunday to you food lovers. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. You can gain culinary intelligence right here and right now because I'm bringing you all the flavor every Sunday. I'm satisfying your cravings and, of course, giving thanks as this show brings you fresh ingredients, recipes, and kitchen wisdom, and I'm grateful that you've tuned in. If you could use a little help on building flavor or menu planning or wine and food pairings, if you want to get closer to your food, well then, simply stay tuned. I'm always serving up seconds at ChefJamie.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at ChefJamieGwen. And if you are hungry for a truly fabulous Thanksgiving feast, well, then it is time to start planning. I'm all about a stress-free holiday season, so post it at chefjamie.com. I have everything from one-pot wonders to every type of turkey recipe imaginable, how you can create a a happy Thanksgiving feast with the make-ahead dishes that you're looking for, of course, the sweet treats, and then leftovers done right. So please do check it out. And as I mentioned, stress-free means time management and planning in advance. And that, I really truly believe, applies to our everyday lives and especially to great cooking. Thanksgiving does not have to be a frenzy of last-minute preparations. So I've posted my Thanksgiving planner to guide you through the holiday, once again at chefjamie.com, and you'll start planning now because if you're ordering a fresh turkey, you want to do it now. If you're buying a frozen turkey, you still have time, but you don't want to wait to the last minute, of course. So I've given you everything you need from thawing tips when it comes to talking turkey to four days before Thanksgiving when you can start composing your shopping list, purchasing all your non-perishable pantry items, uh, baking pies for dessert if you haven't started already. Pie dough could be placed into the pans and then frozen and ready well in advance. Then everything to make the cranberry sauce, to prepare your stuffing, and a timeline for day of Thanksgiving, which will map out everything you need to get everyone to the table and enjoy your feast. Now, if you're searching for other ways to save time on Thanksgiving and you really want to reduce the last minute kitchen stress, I recommend that you make ahead your turkey gravy. And I call it make ahead turkey gravy because it's this wonderful, tasty way to make the complications of the big feast just a little bit easier. Now, if you're feeling adventurous and you have a little extra time this holiday season, you should always make your own turkey stock when you can using wings and necks from the butcher, and you roast the turkey pieces to get really dark color and rich flavor so that when you make the stock, you get really fabulous, intense flavor. And then you simply combine onion and celery and carrot and peppercorns and other scraps you have lying around, and you'll make a really great stock. And again, if you have time... It's really, truly fabulous, but you can always buy good quality, low-sodium chicken broth and then follow all of your recipes for a simple solution. And that solution, mind you, applies to this 
last minute stovetop gravy that you'll be making on Thanksgiving Day. What you do is you make a basic version of gravy way ahead of time, like uh, the Sunday before or a few days before Thanksgiving. And then you heat it up when you're just about ready to serve. And then the trick is that you trick it out with last minute extras like the pan drippings from roasting the turkey or all your favorite add-ins. And what you get is a really grand gravy that is guaranteed to be lump-free and delicious. So you'll make a basic gravy. Once again, post it at chefjamie.com. You'll see my make-ahead turkey gravy posted under the Think Like a Chef feature, where you combine good quality unsalted butter and all-purpose flour, and you make the basic roux. Then you add either white wine or sherry or brandy up to your palate, and you add that either homemade turkey stock or chicken broth. And then I like to add a little bit of heavy cream. I like the richness and the creaminess of a a really good Southern style gravy. And you'll find too that it actually holds the gravy together and keeps it from separating really well in the fridge in advance. Then when you're, once again, ready to serve on Thanksgiving Day, you'll have cooled this gravy, stored it in the fridge, you'll take it out, you'll reheat it in a saucepan, and you'll add the pan drippings back to the gravy from your freshly roasted turkey. And then you can add in and jazz it up with all your favorite flavors. For a mushroom gravy, you could add saute, uh, sauteed sliced mushrooms and shallots, let's say. For uh, an herbaceous gravy. You'll add freshly chopped herbs like parsley and thyme and maybe hint of tarragon. If you want to add a little bit of indulgence, you'll take a big spoonful of black truffle butter and you'll create a black truffle gravy. Or maybe you want a red eye flavor. Great southern tradition of red eye gravy where you'll add a shot of espresso or a little bit of coffee from that morning's pot of coffee and some cayenne pepper. And you can make it your own, but you will have a super simple, stress-free and wonderful way to make Thanksgiving come together with true ease. Now, all the other Thanksgiving recipes that you need, inspired recipes, maybe you're looking to take a new approach to Thanksgiving this year, or you're going back to the basics. I have a honey and sage brined deep fried turkey that I'd love to share with you posted on the site, because if you've never deep fried a turkey before, it is so luscious. Now, you do need to buy a fryer, a turkey fryer, that is, and you'll have it forever. And the secret here is that you want to do it outside, of course, in a safe place. But it takes only about three minutes per pound. So it's a quick cook, and it's super delicious. And that make-ahead gravy works really well, in fact, because you, of course, don't get a gravy from a deep fryer. Now, I also have the maple pecan shortbread that I serve at my Thanksgiving, a truly sweet recipe posted on the site, along with uh, a a cocktail you'll love. Oh, my cinnamon spiked apple cider, which will just warm the cockles of your heart, as my mother says. So do check it out, www.chefjamie.com for new daily inspiration leading up to all of our fabulous Thanksgiving feasts. Okay, it's time for food news This is some really juicy, good gossip I'm really excited to share with you. Last month, restaurateur Danny Meyer, whom we know and love from Shake Shack and more Union Square Cafe and all those great New York restaurants, 
actually implemented a much-talked-about no-tipping rule at his restaurants. So rather than leaving money for Danny Meyer's servers in his bevy of restaurants, you will see a slight price increase on his menu, and the servers are being paid a higher hourly wage. Well, in a major move, this past week, Joe's Crab Shack has become the first major chain to implement the no-tipping policy at 18 of their restaurants. And Restaurant Business, the magazine, reports that servers will see a starting pay bump up to $14 an hour. So while 14 is the base, the servers are actually going to be uh, given a determined wage depending upon their past performance. Now, Joe's Crab Shack says that the pay increases will come from 12 to 15% price elevation on their menu as well. So like Danny Meyer, you're going to see a price increase, but maybe this is a new trend where you're going to find more and more restaurants with that no tipping rule. I think it's interesting, right? And just in time for Thanksgiving, White Castle is introducing turkey sliders. Oh, now you are a foodie in the know, right? (laughs) Made with butterball turkey burger patties, the sliders feature a variety of different Thanksgiving sides. You get a set of three The turkey sliders boast cranberry sauce, and you get sweet potato waffle fries as a side, albeit, mind you, not a substitute to Thanksgiving, but the trio of turkey sliders will be available at White Castle only through the holiday season. I love it. Now you're a foodie in the know. It's what I call necessary dinner party conversation. And do not touch your dial, because we have an illustrious list of guests coming up this hour. For the first time on the show, I'm really excited to welcome Bobby Flay to your radio. Coming up next, Bobby is stopping by to dish on his favorite meal, and that is brunch. Also, Sunset Magazine's food editor Margot True is sharing a wine country Thanksgiving, and certified sommelier Yannick Benjamin is telling his tale of becoming a master psalm in the new TV series Uncorked on Esquire Network. If you love the movie, you'll love the series. So stay tuned, food and wine lovers. There's more delicious conversation coming up in your radio right after this. of food directly to your radio. Welcome back, Chef Jamie Gwen. Okay, we're celebrating brunch today with a really big name. Are you ready? (laughs) If you're a fan of Bobby Flay's like I am, and of course uh, you watch him uh, religiously like we do in our house, then you know him for his skills at the grill. But you should also know that his favorite meal of the week is brunch. And so we have that in common, Bobby. I like breakfast, brunch, breakfast for dinner. And at long last, Bobby is sharing his simplest, most sought-after brunch recipes in his new cookbook release entitled Brunch at Bobby's. It is everything you could ever want out of brunch. And I am delighted that Bobby has stopped by to dish. Hey there, Bobby. How are you? Hi. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> yes, of course. Thank you for being here. Okay, let's talk brunch because I've heard you say before you like a really big brunch, like a lot of food. Yes? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think that brunch needs to be somewhat abundant. Yes. Um, people, I, I just don't think that people go into brunch thinking 
I'm not going to eat a lot. <laughs> I mean, you know, brunch is that brunch is that meal that we sort of we save up for at the end of the week, right? It's um, you know we've been working all week, and brunch really has very few rules, just a few guidelines. I mean, it starts when you feel like getting up, um, and it ends when you feel like ending it. It could be quick or it could last the entire afternoon, hmm. and uh, it almost always starts with a cocktail. So it's um, to me, it's certainly my my favorite <laughs> meal of the week. <laughs> yes, and, and I have to agree. There's something. Uh, less guilt associated with brunch for me. Like, I think that I can eat to my heart's content because it's early in the day and, you know, you'll work it off later or that there is something wonderfully generous about a a family-style served brunch. And you, that's another concept I know you love. You like to put out all the food and then let everyone graze at their own pace, fill their plate, sit down, you know, relish in it. Yeah, I think that I think that family style eating at at, at home yes. um, when you're entertaining or whether you're just feeding your family or or it's a special event is the way to go because it mm-hmm. also gets you the cook out of the kitchen um, and and also it doesn't put any pressure on anybody so people can take more of what they really want and less of what you know maybe they're not interested in or don't eat yeah, exactly and um, and, I, and I think that that's I think you know. I do that for brunch, but I think I think sort of across the board, it's a really good rule, too. Yes, I agree. And I think it brings us all back to the dinner table, quote-unquote, only because it gathers us together. You mentioned a cocktail, a wonderful way to celebrate a brunch. And I love – by the way, the book is fabulous. I mean, you, you really, I know, put your all into a cookbook uh, because you can feel it turning the pages. They're the best of the best recipes. And we've seen you cook for so many years um, <laughs> that – we know you have a an extraordinary repertoire of recipes to choose from when you pack a cookbook full. I love the the cocktail idea as a starter. Everyone loves a Bloody Mary bar, but I loved the Bellini bar, especially with the holidays upcoming. That's a really celebratory start. Yeah, it is definitely. I mean, you know, Bellini's basically, um, you know, for for all intents and purposes, uh, there's sparkling wine. You know, right. it could be Prosecco from Italy or Cava from Spain or Champagne from. France, of course, mm-hmm. um, or just sparkling wine from uh, from from, the, from from America, but yes. but then you, then you add different kinds of you know f- uh, fruit purees. You know the classic one is sort of um, the Bellini, um, the white peach Bellini that was invented in Venice mm-hmm. in, in in Italy, which is you know white peach and and prosecco. But you can so use, use things like passion fruit or um, you know we do uh, like a blackberry or a blueberry uh, puree or even peach. And then maybe a tiny bit of um, other liquor uh, or like a liqueur to kind of pump up the flavor. So it could be one that's flavored by with blackberries or with with uh, with cherries or peaches. And then of course you have to garnish it with some fruit. So it makes it totally fun. Yeah, I love the idea. It's almost like it becomes a Bellini bar with a salsa bar attached because you put a <laughs> no. It's like true. That. It's a Bobby Flay salsa bar for your Bellini because you've got lots of different fruit garnish choices and you can. Shop from the farmer's market and offer seasonally, whether it's the the pomegranate seeds, the arils like you mentioned, and fresh blackberries. And it does. It becomes like a snack and a drink. Yes, exactly right. Fruit snack and a drink. All in one. All in one. Um, Okay. uh, I cannot wait to make bourbon molasses butter. 
Right. I t- oh my God. I tend. To, I, I plan to put that on everything, Bobby. You know, a lot of people have been talking to me about the bourbon <laughs> molasses butter, but you know, it goes really well on things like pancakes and waffles and French toast and things like that. But also, just like even on like cornbread or a biscuit, you know, uh, or a muffin or something like that, it makes everything taste great. Oh yeah. And what about using it as a um, benefit, uh, sort of a complement to a savory something? Could you spice it up and then use it on? Corn, or I mean, oh, for you, sure. You tend to add seasoning spices, and you get that sweet, savory mix. Yes, absolutely. Even like, um, even like on a steak or some pork, it will work really nicely. Ooh, okay. Um, I heard from a friend. By the way, um, I've been a longtime fan, and our paths have crossed before. But you've never been on my radio program. So I'm very delighted to have you. I have um, friends uh, in common, essentially. And someone told me that your favorite brunch recipe, and I'm not sure how they know this, is Bananas Foster French Toast, like Reign Supreme. Um, it's certainly one of them for sure. Okay. I mean, but just think about, just think about that for a second. I mean, it's yeah, how French could it be toast bad? <laughs> and we go to New Orleans, right? For yes. Bananas Foster. That's and right. It's, you know, it's got, it's, it's just, you know, it's rum and it's bananas and it's brown sugar. And mm. I mean, it's, it's pretty decadent and it's certainly dessert for brunch. Yeah, for sure. And on the leaner side, the olive oil poached eggs with the crisp pancetta. That's, that's, that's another dish that a lot of people have told me they've made out of the book. Beautiful. Um, I love it. I mean, you get that really beautiful flavor of, of, of olive oil. Um, and you poach the eggs in it. It's very, very simple, and the mm. eggs come out beautifully when you poach them in the olive oil. And then you just put them on some toast with a little tomato relish, and it has like some mustard running through it. It's so good. So good. I really love the idea of olive oil poaching, and have um, tested it a lot of different ways. Like I think a piece of salmon, especially yeah, olive oil post poached, absolutely. is Works luscious. Really well. Yeah, really delicious. Um, and then I was inspired by the Moroccan eggs. Oh, yeah. I, that's like eggs in purgatory in the Italian style, right? You know, it, it, it actually, that's a, that's a really good way to look at it. You know, it's, um, it's, sort, of a, uh, it's sort of like a, a one-pot uh, egg dish, you know, because you, you sort of, everything goes in the pool. You know, you start with, you start with the sauce with, um, you know, with tomatoes and the, and the lamb sausage. Mm. Um, and then, you know, some of the spices, some of those, some of those Moroccan spices like harissa and all that, and then some fresh, fresh cilantro and parsley. And then you put the eggs in, you just kind of let the eggs and the goat cheese kind of melt together and, and cook. It's so oh, good. So good. Do you use Ras Al Hanout a lot? And one of the things I love about watching Beat Bobby Flay is that you always have a new spice in your back pocket, whether it's the, <laughs> no, it's true, the Korean chili paste or the... Calabrian uh, chilies or, yeah. Exactly. And I wonder, is, is the Ras Al Hanout your new uh, secret spice? Um, you know, Ras Al Hanout is, is actually a blend that is, that can be made up of, of almost anything. And, and, and in terms of like, when you go to, when you go to a place like Morocco, like Ras Al Hanout would be different in every community. And so it's almost like their own sort of version of curry, you know, where um, they take the spices that they want to put together. So it's not necessarily, you know, one specific blend of spices, but right. it can be it can be a, sort of an array of spices. But, you know, you have like a lot of those sort of Moroccan spices running through it. So it's mm. the, that North African feel. Nice, nice, nice. Um, I'd love to talk restaurants, if you don't mind, um, because I have long a long time uh, been a, a fan of Bar American. I mean, I love Mesa, mind you, but I don't think I can get enough of hot potato chips with blue cheese sauce. Oh, yeah. 
I, I don't know. There's something truly addictive and um, would love to know what's new on the restaurant horizon for you or are, are there new restaurants in the works or are we staying status quo? Uh, you know, I just opened a restaurant called Gato yes. about a, a little over a year ago and it's going really, really nicely. Congratulations. Um, so for now, like that's what we're doing. Um, mm. And so I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm cooking there five nights a week at least. And... Um, so right now I can't really open another restaurant because I'm, I'm so concentrated no. on that. But, you know, you know, I, listen, I'm addicted to opening restaurants. I've been doing it my whole adult life. So I'm sure something will pop up soon. Yes, something will. Have, again, the book is really beautiful and, uh, and I'll look forward to cooking from it. And I hope that you'll come back and share your next uh, new food addiction with us. I, I hope to. Thanks I so would much like for that. Me. Thank you very much, Bobby. Appreciate it. You heard it here first, the new cookbook release from Bobby Flay. It's called Brunch at Bobby's with 140 recipes, starting with lip-smacking cocktails. He works his way through eggs and pancakes and waffles and French toast and pastries and breads and so much more. It is how Bobby Flay does brunch. There's a recipe excerpted at chefjamie.com with a direct link so that you can bring the cookbook into your kitchen. And please stay tuned because there is more delicious conversation right after this. Don't go away. Delivering delicious ideas for the holidays directly to your radio. I'm Chef Jamie Gwen. Welcome back. Sunset is a lifestyle magazine, which you know I love, that celebrates the experiences that the West can offer. Everything from cooking and gardening to travel is covered. And Margot True is the food editor at Sunset Magazine. It's been uh, many years, in fact, that I am delighted to welcome Margot to your radio because nothing makes her happier than exploring the world of food on the farm or in the kitchen and at all points in between. And so we have that in common. Over the course of her career, Margot has won four James Beard Journalism Awards and her writing with true passion is delivered to your monthly issue, and it is truly delicious. The November issue highlights tapas, in fact, perfect for holiday entertaining, and so much more in the current issue of Sunset Magazine November, and Margot is here to dish. I'm glad to have you back, Margot. Hi there. Hello. It's nice <laughs> to be back, Jamie. Thank, Thank you. you. Of course. I love Thanksgiving season. I know you do, too. There's something just very wonderfully celebratory and full of fabulous feasting that makes it my favorite holiday. Uh, would you agree? Absolutely. And I love knowing that this is the one time of year when people who don't tend to cook are really willing to get in the kitchen and start bustling up a storm. You oh, know? isn't that There's true? more people cooking <laughs> the week before Thanksgiving and Thanksgiving than at any other time in America. That's very true. And, uh, I like that insight. Yes. Yeah. I like that vision of all of us there at the stove. Hmm. And and with that said, uh, to offer sort of the dichotomy, I love the article in the current issue that you've written about a really simple sort of make ahead go to idea for holiday entertaining, that being the um, extraordinary popularity, I should say, of tapas. Mm, absolutely. And the thing that's so wonderful about Spanish small bites, tapas, is that they're meant to be eaten at room temperature mm -hmm. quite often. 
Some of them are meant to be hot, but they can be reheated at the last minute or just done at the last minute. And almost all of them, at least in the story that we are that we've published in Sunset, can be done ahead. So it's a great way to have an open house because mm. they can also, yes. you know, they, as I said, room temperature is fine for most of them. And um, and the person we tapped for this is Ryan Polno from a new restaurant in San Francisco called Ache. And it's Basque style predominantly, but um, his tapas are just incredible. And so Mm. the first time I went to the restaurant, I was asterisking almost everything on the menu. (laughs) I thought, this is a sign that this person should find his way into Sunset Magazine. And then as it turned out, the recipes were really doable. Well, that's one of the things that I I love about Spanish food, albeit paella is a process, but I think one well worth it. But there's a simplicity to Spanish food, a a dedication to very good quality ingredients. And then just the, the simple approach of combining a few different flavors. So for tapas, you see like a very short ingredient list most often, and you see big, bold, you know, good quality olive oil, fresh seafood, right? Fabulous flavors, a little bit of heat. I mean, there's something really wonderful about its its boldness contrasting with its simplicity. Exactly. And somehow, you know, each of these recipes, even though I was sort of uh, laughing to myself as I was working on them, because they all start out with onions, garlic, lots of olive oil, and smoked paprika. Right, and bring it on, because I'm good. <laughs> Almost all of them. I'm good with that, anything that starts with uh, with those ingredients. I love smoked paprika, by the way. Oh, me too, and he uses it liberally, uh, mm. Chef Polno. Um, and there, you know, it's just, it's just the most miraculous spice. It can really make anything better, I'm, I'm convinced. I, I'm convinced as well, I agree. I use both the sweet and the hot. And the article is just terrific, so uh, I'm looking forward to my listeners reading through. We're celebrating a wine country Thanksgiving with ideas from the best of the West. Sunset Magazine's food editor, Margot True, back in a moment. Celebrating the season, welcome back. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio, dishing with Sunset Magazine's food editor, Margot True. Um, I do want you to know, Margot, that if you could land us a seat at uh, Doug and Cindy's table for Thanksgiving, I, I just might consider... Uh, forsaking my own. I have to tell you, that is a beautiful article, and I would love to head to Healdsburg and dine at their table for Thanksgiving. That is a truly, as you call it, relaxed Thanksgiving in the wine country. It's true. You know, Doug Lipton and Cindy Daniel, who are behind the shed in yes. Healdsburg, which mm. is such a phenomenal destination for anyone interested in food. Extraordinary. You know, it's a market hall where you can buy everything from beekeeping to supplies to fresh cheeses to beautiful wooden urns for keeping various items and gorgeous linen dish towels. And there are all kinds of workshops that they have there and a cafe. And it's and it's just a, a stunning place visually. Yes. Oh, it's like a food, lovers, a food lover's paradise. Forgive me for interrupting. Yes. No, it absolutely is. And Cindy Daniel has such great taste. And she and Doug bring all of that to their home Mm -hmm. um, in Healdsburg, which they call Home Farm. 
and uh, hmm. and it's it's just an absolutely lovely place. And you know, she is a fantastic cook, and the menu that she gave us for this issue oh, uh, just went went on and on. And we couldn't put all the recipes in the magazine, but we did publish the entire menu so people could see. What a gorgeous feat of imagination and creativity yes. this menu is. And then, of course, they have 20 friends coming over, all of whom are very involved with food. I mean, one of them is Angelo Garo, who's a kind of matchless cook in the San Francisco Bay Area, yes. who always shoots and then cooks a wild turkey, in addition to anything else that's going on. Right, doesn't everyone? <laughs> sure. Yes, of course. Um so I have to say that even though we called this, and Cindy thinks of this as a relaxed Thanksgiving, <laughs> it is relaxed for someone who is just sheer perfection as yes. a cook herself. I have so to it's agree. it's very inspiring. It, it, it's, it's it is. super inspiring. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And and to, to definitely um, grab a seat at their table would be um, quite an illustrious invitation, I must say. Absolutely. Oh, you know, for sure. She, she, she usually encourages her guests to help her harvest from the garden. Mm. And, you know, they're all cooking together in her beautiful farmhouse kitchen. It's heaven. And then everyone sits down together. And it's all, you know, even though the bar is kind of high for, for this, it, as I said, it is very inspiring. There's such a, a sense of joy and um, companionship with which mm. this meal is cooked that it's, mm. it's lovely. And she says at the end that this meal is not about perfection it's about being present, enjoying one another, and finding ease. Mm. And um, the thing that's lovely for us as readers is, um, you know, knowing that it's not about perfection, and yet the person we're learning from is pretty close to perfect. It's pretty close, right. <laughs> and, and we can all aspire to it. But there's something absolutely wonderful about Thanksgiving, where at the end of the day, it is as much about the time spent with family and friends and the gathering for a feast as it is about the food. And you you really do remember those times and that one special dish. But, you know, the uh, achievement of perfection, um, certainly not as important for sure. I love that you highlight in the food and drink section for the sunset November issue as well, the flavor of fall, which I have to agree, butternut squash is the star right now. And I love to roast any squash. Um, and in fact, you know, very high heat and caramelization, I think, lends itself to really brilliant flavor, especially when it comes to squash as well. But we're seeing squash in a multitude of dishes, whether it be um, to make a vegetarian style risotto, to add it in to chilies, really that sort of rich, sweet flavor combining with other uh, ingredients. It's very true. Butternut squash has a complexity and a depth of flavor yes. that few other vegetables have, I find. And I completely agree with you about the caramelization. Mm. It brings out this nutty sweetness and yes. richness oh, that sure butternut does. squash has and the texture of it, too. And mm. um, we've really drawn on the, those qualities of butternut squash to show it off in a variety of ways. So I, the cake recipe that's in this column. Oh, it looks um, so good. Is uh, it was such a hit with the staff. I mean, <laughs> we put out this entire cake, and it would just be gone within 20 minutes. It's a butternut, a butternut squash, squash spice cake. A spice cake. Yes. With, with bourbon in it. Um, Sunset Magazine, the guide to the West, is uh, highlighting, of course, the best of fall in their November issue. Just 
arriving on newsstands, so do check it out and find an excerpted recipe from the current issue posted at chefjamie.com, which will, of course, take you directly to sunset.com and more of food editor Margot True's deliciously divine creations, ideas, and insights. Margot, come back soon. We'll talk to you before the end of the year for sure. Great, Jamie. I look forward to it. Thank Thank you. you. I do too. Inspiring and delicious conversation in your radio every Sunday. Welcome back, Chef Jamie Gwen. Okay, wine lovers, listen here. You know the label of Master Sommelier? Well, it's of course more than just a title. It's a badge of honor. An achievement measured by passing one of the world's most grueling exams, a test that only 230 people across the globe have passed in its 40-plus year history. Well, based on the fascinating documentary, which we all loved, called Psalm, is a six-part docu-series that is chronicling six aspiring master psalms attempting to pass the ultimate test. It is premiering this week on the Esquire Network, and it is called Uncorked. And if you loved the movie, then you will love this new series featuring six psalms and their swirling, smelling, and slurping of a multitude of wines all before their master exam. Yannick Benjamin is one of those psalms with an extraordinary story, and he has dropped by to dish with us. Hi, Yannick. Glad to have you. Hello, and thank you for having me. <laughs> yes, of course. Okay, you have a really incredible story. So if you would um, give us your background, the illustrious restaurants that you have psalmed for, your training, and then um, a, a very unfortunate accident, though, that has inspired many and continues to. Uh, well, thank you. Yeah, um, basically... Uh... You know, my my father uh, came to New York from France in 1963, right uh, right from the uh, after the uh, French Algerian War, mm. and the first thing he did was he worked at a very famous restaurant that's still there. It's called La Grenouille. Ah, oui. His first job was a uh, dishwasher, and his brother was the maitre d' there. So um, my family was very much involved with the restaurant business for a very long time. So it was just kind of a normal. Um, kind of transition for me mm-hmm. from school to go to work, and that's what I kind of stuck with. Um, it was something that I always loved was hospitality in particular. Mm-hmm. I always knew that I wanted to work in restaurants. Um, I, my first really great restaurant that I started working at was when I was 18 years old, and I got the job at um, Le Cirque 2000, and I worked under Sir Maccioni, and he was, you know, one of the first people to actually hire, like, a sommelier at the time in the late 90s. Um, there was still no real um, kind of such thing as a sommelier yet. So there was this young, enthusiastic, um, very motivated um, wine director there, and he inspired me to want to become a sommelier as well. Hmm. Um, but I always knew since that time that I wanted to be in hospitality. And I always consider myself, yes, I love being a sommelier, but most of all I love um, being in the hospitality industry. That's what I consider myself first and foremost. And I think if you want to be a great sommelier, you have to have a passion for the hospitality industry. Oh, but then after sure. that. I worked at Felidia, Oceana, uh, John George, um, and then I spent a couple of years at the Ritz-Carlton Hotel Company, and now I'm currently the sommelier at the University Club. And quite quite an incredible background, and one um, dedicated to service, which I very much admire, coming from the industry you know as well. Um, in 2003, everything changed. I was working at the Ritz-Carlton Hotel Company, 
And um, everything was going really great. I was 25 years old, um, taking wine classes, uh, super motivated, um, really um, just motivated to try to become a master sommelier at that time. Um, one night I was driving back home, and I was in a severe car accident that permanently left me paralyzed from the waist down. Um, and I didn't know what, what, what to do at that point. I mean, certainly I was already thinking, um, what am I going to do for work? Like, how am I possibly ever going to work in a restaurant again? Because it's so physically demanding. Um, it took me a long time to figure it out, but I did a lot of sommelier competitions. I did well over 30 of them, um, some that I did not do great in and some that I ended up being very successful in, I, I, as high as finishing uh, third best sommelier in America and second best sommelier in America. And doing these um, competitions and putting myself out there, I really learned through trial and error, and I found them really beneficial. And then, of course, um, the Court of Master Sommeliers, um, all the, the Master Sommeliers that were there were very, very um, kind of just very helpful and gave me great advice and super supportive. Um, it's a really wonderful great group of people, and I was yes. very lucky for that. Well, we know that theory service and blind tasting will prove you uh, a great success, and I wish you the best of luck. Uh, we're rooting for you on <laughs> your next you so go-round, of course, of the master exam. He is Thank Yannick so Benjamin. Yes, it's my pleasure, and I'm really glad to have you on. I think you are a true inspiration, Yannick, and um, we know you have uh, many years of being a master sommelier at the top of your field ahead of you. He is one of the six attempting to pass the ultimate test, the master sommelier exam, as the premiere this week on the Esquire network uh, follows their journey. It is called Uncorked, and you will not want to miss it. I have seen a sneak preview, and I will tell you it is full of passion and drama and excitement and lots and lots and lots of wine. So watch for Yannick Benjamin, once again, based on the documentary called Psalm, premiering on the Esquire network. It's a pleasure, Yannick. Thank you. Continued success. Good luck to you. Um, to being the next master. Uh, thank you very much. <laughs> much appreciated. It's an honor. So that brings us to the end of another hour of delicious inspiration. I hope that you've enjoyed listening and that you'll tune in every Sunday because if food is your fetish, well, then I am supplying the tools. Meet me here next Sunday and in the Sundays to come throughout the holiday season to make sure that your fall, autumn, and winter celebrations are truly scrumptious, and join me and celebrity chefs, renowned winemakers, and Epicurean insiders to elevate your tastes. I'll leave you with my last bite, my last ounce or tidbit of culinary conversation. For those of you that know me well and have listened for a long time, I am grateful. You know that I am a Nutella freak. Yes, I am a fan of the jar of delicious hazelnut chocolate paste. And I have a new idea for using up your Nutella. I like to cuddle the Nutella together in a wonton skin with a slice of banana. And I like to fry it up for a Nutella ravioli. Yes, you can bake or fry, actually, but you just need some wonton skins from the Asian section of your Smart and Final store or local supermarket. You put a banana slice on the wonton skin and a teaspoon of Nutella, and then you just run wet fingers along the edges and fold it in half, pressing it to seal the triangle. And then you can either bake or fry until crispy and golden brown, dust the Nutella raviolis with powdered sugar, and oh, you have a three-ingredient sweet treat. 
that is just out of this world. I'll post my Nutella ravioli recipe on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Chef Jamie Gwen, and I'll meet you here next Sunday as the delicious conversation continues. I'm Chef Jamie Gwen signing off. I thank you for listening, and I hope you continue to eat well. Well,